I'm Nuria Martinez-Keel. And I'm Dale Denwalt. You're listening to The Source. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the Oklahomans' most impactful stories with the reporters who wrote them. The epic charter school saga continues this week as the school's former co-founders allegedly miss an important deadline to hand over possibly millions of dollars. When I look at this situation, in my opinion, this is nothing but a grift and a con job. For years, Epic co-founders Ben Harris and David Cheney oversaw the virtual school system and its business dealings. Their own personal company was picked by the former school board to manage millions of taxpayer education dollars. The school's new board chairman, Paul Campbell, told lawmakers on Monday that Harris and Cheney's leadership was a, quote, grift and con job. Nuria, you've been following this story since it became public. One of your stories this week focuses on Epic's Learning Fund, which accumulated nearly $80 million of taxpayer money that was controlled by Harris and Cheney's private company. Do we know how that money is being spent? No, the answer is no to any any amount of money in that account from before July 1st of this year. Now, on July 1st, Epic, the public school system, created a publicly controlled version of this same learning fund. And we can get into what the learning fund is in a little bit, but basically it's a bank account that previously was under control of a private company, even though tax taxpayer funds were going into it. Now on July 1st, Epic said, no, we're going to take that learning fund. We're going to make it public. Um, So the school owns and operates that account. Any member of the public can submit an open records request to view those records. Whereas before, when the private company was handling things, um, that account was basically shielded from public view. Any open records requests asking to look at those uh, records or funds were rejected. The state auditor and inspector's office sent subpoenas asking to review those account records and those subpoenas were denied. Um, And the company said, we are not subject to open records laws and we are not subject to state audits because we are a private business. So for 10 years, nobody besides these co-founders and their chief financial officer ever really saw what was really happening and how, how the learning fund was being spent. And a big concern uh, from investigators and the state auditor, it seems, is that um, the this company uh, was being run, managed, uh, operated by the co-founders of, of Epic Charter Schools. There was concern, I think, of, of maybe some intermingling, uh, some conflict of interest uh, concerns. Is that right? Yeah. So just to get into what the Learning Fund is real quick so that people can know, what, know the details of that, the Learning Fund is as a bank account that dedicates $1,000 for every Epic student. And then those students and their families get to decide whether they want to spend that money on extracurricular activities. So that's the way Epic, which is a virtual charter school, that's how they compensate for the fact that, you know, they don't have a, a traditional school football team or traditional clubs like, like a lot of these schools do. So kids who want to do extracurriculars have the funds to do that outside of the school environment. Um, so the learning fund can can go towards that. But it also can go towards 
lesson plans toward educational technology that a student might need to do school. Um, so the state auditor is arguing that you know this company is acting as stewards of public funds that were supporting public school students. Um, but to get back to your original question about you know whether there was enough separation between this company and uh, the public school system, um, I think the state auditors argued that there wasn't um, that that these two uh, two entities were were far too closely intertwined. Um, most most notably because the company and the school shared the same CFO. The same person was overseeing financials for both sides. And as auditors said, you know, with with his right hand, the CFO could write a check to the company and and with the other hand, he could approve a receipt of that of those funds. Um, So it was really not enough, um, you know, separation uh, for, for auditors to be comfortable with this. Um, also, I would add that for several years, the co-founders, while also running the company, um, one of them was the superintendent of the school until 2019. Um, and then some lawmakers um, created legislation to stop that from happening. So they were fully on the company side, although they had their hand in all of the operations of the school, they did all the hiring and firing. I mean, they really were um, so intertwined with the school that, you know, auditors weren't comfortable with it. And a multi-county grand jury pointed out that this, they, they used the phrase incestuous relationship that Epic needed to disentangle itself from. So there really were, um, the, the, the company really was deeply ingrained in this school system until, May 26th, when Epic's restructured school board terminated them. They, they, they terminated a contract with that company, and the co-founders are no longer affiliated with Epic in any way anymore. Right. Uh, and a lot of that's, you know, in the past, they, they no longer have control of the charter school. In, in July, uh, specifically, you reported that the reorganized school board created its own publicly controlled fund. Uh, that essentially replaced the learning fund. But it, it seems now that Harris and Cheney are hesitant to, to turn over any money that's left in that bank account. Why is that? What's happening here with this is, the as of July 1st, that learning fund is public and it's owned and operated by the school. But the original learning fund account, the one that belonged to a private company, that is still in the hands of that business. Um, And so those records are still being considered private um, and and those funds are still in the co-founders' hands. So what's really at issue here now between Epic and and the co-founders is is whether, when and whether these co-founders are going to turn over the remaining balance of the learning fund back to the school. Now, if you look at the termination agreement between the co-founders and the school, it acknowledges that those funds are to remain private, but that the company will effectively donate the amount equivalent to however much was left over in the learning fund as of June 30th, 2021. Um, But the reason that they say they haven't turn that money over yet because we're you know we're four months later since those these two entities parted ways and epic is still waiting on this money um the reason eys says it hasn't turned that money over yet is because 
in that termination agreement, it, it says all liabilities uh, from before July 1st have to be paid off. And, and the company is saying that we are still receiving invoices from vendors for goods and services that were charged to the learning fund uh, that, that were from before July 1st. And so the, the, the longer that they receive those invoices, the longer they're saying they can't turn over the money yet. However, Epic proposed a deadline of September 30th saying, look, at some point, we've got to cut this off. You turn over whatever's left in the account on September 30th, and we will handle whatever invoices come our way that were from before July 1st. I did have a conversation with one of the members of that company last week, and we agreed that it would be a good idea to have a agreed to cut off for them processing any invoices and to turn over those records and the funds that are remaining and for Epic to then take over paying any of those that happen to come in that are late. It's September, so we really shouldn't have any more bills coming in for July and August. We should be done. Some vendors turn things in late. Some things get lost in the mail. Um, But if the money's turned over, then we'll have the means to pay those bills and we can take those over. On Epic's side of things, they say they talked about that September 30th deadline multiple times with the co-founders in the company and that they allegedly agreed to that deadline. They said that would be fine. But September 30th rolled around and neither the money nor the records of that bank account were turned over. And the co-founders say, we never knew about this deadline. Their, their attorney gave a statement saying, you know, any, any other deadline was never communicated to us. Mm-hmm. I think you mentioned uh, um, there was uh, supposedly a word of mouth agreement. Uh, so I guess we'll just have to see, um, you know, if anything comes out in any court filings or uh, if this is resolved in any way. But is there the 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 unavailability of this money? By the way, we don't I, I, we don't know how much money is in that bank account. Um, it seems, but has has the uh, the unavailability of this money caused? Epic Charter School is any financial hardship? Epic says no, um, and you're right. We don't know how much is left to be turned over, and the reason for that is because the company will not tell Epic how much is left from the learning fund to return to the school. They have not. The Epic says they have asked multiple times, and the company will not even tell them how much they have yet to return. How much money are we get back? I have absolutely no idea. But we asked. I have asked, and I have not been given an answer. So he's still processing payments is what I'm being told. But yeah, so Epic says financially the school will not be in a bad place if if the EYS doesn't return that money. Um, They have tens of millions of dollars budgeted for the learning fund and tens of millions more budgeted in contingency. So if, you know, families were to go on a big spending spree and and spend up their learning fund all at once and Epic has to foot that bill, they say they have enough budgeted and uh, you know, budgeted in reserves to to handle that. Now, the the school previously paid this private company 10% um I'm I'm guessing of revenue as a as a management uh, can you talk a little bit about that? And considering that the the charter school is, seems to be able to handle its own business now, is it 
necessary for charter schools to hire private companies to run things? Yeah, just to explain that 10% fee, you're right. It was 10% of all of Epic's total revenue, and they would pay that annually to uh, Epic Youth Services, the the co-founder's business, um, as a management fee for basically running the school system. Um, Now, what Paul Campbell, the new president of, of Epic's school board, was saying when he used the phrase grift and a con job, uh, he was saying part of part of why he said that was he was making the argument that, you know, these co-founders, as Epic grew, as Epic got bigger, you know, Epic had plenty of personnel and staff to handle um, management of the school system on their own and that these co-founders really didn't have to do anything. And yet they were charging several million dollars a year, um, a state audit of Epic's funds found that these co-founders made their company made over $45 million, I think it was, between 2015 and 2020 alone. So they were charging millions and millions of dollars for what Paul Campbell says, at least, was was not a whole lot of work on their part. Um, uh, although they still were in control, everything had to go through them. You know, they, they were still the, the final decision makers. They were charging the school. 10% management fee. Over the past 10 years, these guys have been charging millions. This is just the management fee. We haven't gotten in the learning fund. Millions of dollars within the management fee for work the school's doing themselves anyways. Like It just doesn't make any sense. But to explain the, the need at all for education management organizations, um, I think Cindy Bird, kind, she's our state auditor and inspector, she put it best where she said, you know, a lot of these charter schools and virtual charter schools will hire these companies to help get them off the ground, especially in those early years when people maybe don't have as much experience in starting and operating a, a charter school. Um, so these companies can be useful in, in helping, you know, get these, um, these schools started and, and providing them with the technology that they may need to run a school. Um, and as a charter school grows or a virtual charter school grows, um, you know, you, you, one would think these companies become less and less necessary. That's what we saw with Epic, um, that they had plenty of staff, they had a superintendent, they had a school board that could operate the school like a traditional public school district could. On the other hand, though, one concern that that Cindy Bird had about these EMOs was they can become so ingrained in a school that, um, you know, maybe they stay past when they're really necessary. And, And in a situation like we saw with Epic, where the co founders of the school also own the private company that's profiting from the school that it becomes even more difficult to separate between the school and the private business um, so there's there is a these companies can serve a purpose but um, you know the, the laws around these especially with virtual charter schools are so new that that it can be you know there is space to, to abuse the the situation now let's turn to possible legal repercussions. Two years ago, the State Bureau of Investigation said they were looking into whether Harrison Cheney used the learning fund for embezzlement. Um, what's the status of that investigation, and have they been charged with any crimes? 
No, they have not been charged with any crimes. Their CFO has not been charged with any crimes, but they are still under investigation. Um, the OSBI is is still carrying on with that investigation. It's been going on for years. Uh, so it remains unclear when or if any charges or indictments will happen, but they are still under investigation and they're still being audited by the state auditor and inspector's office. Um, after releasing a pretty explosive audit on Epic's, the, you know, their school funds last October, in October of 2020, um, that was considered part one. The state auditor said, we want to do part two of this audit specifically on the learning fund. Um, and it took them a long time before they could get access to those records. A judge, they had to take Epic Youth Services to court where a judge gave state auditors permission to audit those learning fund records um, as long as those records remain confidential um, so they can't be released to the public as of right now. Um, so they're still being audited, they're still being investigated, but they have not been charged with any crimes. Interesting. Well, it seems like this uh, story that's been you know, popping up on the front page of the Oklahoman for a couple of years now is not yet done. Uh, and I really look forward to reading, Nuria, what you uh, report on this and, and to find out uh, what the resolution is uh, whenever we get there. I'm interested to see what the resolution is as well. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week. This podcast is possible because of the Oklahoman subscribers. We encourage you to subscribe if you can. You can read the stories that Nuria wrote and more every day in the Oklahoman and at oklahoman.com. Check back next Friday for a new episode.